The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Hey, it's Monday, 2.06 on the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. Thanks for uh, riding along this afternoon. We'll be here for the next four hours. Jaylen flying solo today as uh, Andrew is in Vegas. He texted me last night, let me know. Uh, he made it safe and sound and it already lost $220. So it was a good Sunday night for Andrew in Vegas. Lots of different things to get to today. I do want to mention a big thank you to everyone who was at the Oil Kings game on the weekend. The uh, teddy bear toss, a record breaker, 14,122 bears, all going towards 630 Ched Santa's Anonymous. You know we need it this year. We appreciate your help. Uh, if you want to find out how to help, santasanonymous.ca or be listening this afternoon at 4.50. Chief Elf Lana Nordland will join us and uh, give us the latest update. Now, talking about updates, thrilled to have our first guest in studio this afternoon, Ward 11 City Councillor Mike Nickel. You should be so thrilled. Well, I don't I, know. Some people are, some people are Well, aren't. I am because Depending I'm just... Depending on what room I'm in. Hey, you know what, Mike? It's like this. I'm just always sitting back, just going to wait and see what happens. And uh, that's the one thing. You speak from... Uh, the cuff, and I appreciate that. There was a number of things wanted to talk to you about, including uh, the Coliseum, about budget, which starts, uh, deliberations start here in the next couple of days. And, of course, the Metro Line. Um, the more you read about this, the more that folks read about it, they've got to be you know, pulling their hair out, wondering what the hell is going on with this and, and, and what is going on with the city. You um, at City Council recently have finally, you've been waving the flag saying, hey, look at this, look at this. Your thoughts initially on, on this Metro Line debacle really is what a lot of people are calling it. Well, it hasn't really stopped being a debacle since they got into the council four years ago. And the fact of the matter is, is that if you want, uh, I received a letter about eight months ago. Now, now we all know what happened to our former city manager and about the mm-hmm. incident we had at audit committee, uh, talking about uh, the questions of oversight regarding the metro line at that point. And we were... I think a lot of council was hoping that after we made that change, things were were going to be on the mend. And obviously they have not. Since 2013, Talus, which is the Mm -hmm. the company responsible for a lot of the um, signaling issues and so on, and I would turn into some of the safety issues that are arising now on the the metro line, uh, have been missing milestones for five years. And so now we're at this point where I received a le- an anonymous letter uh, approximately six to eight months ago. Unfortunately, it wasn't signed, mm-hmm. so there was nothing I could really do with it except uh, look at the questions that they were asking about rail safety, about uh, how things were being managed, and just the outcome of the whole project. And that kind of led me to this inquiry where I started asking about, you know, what has really happened on the Metro Line? I'd like you to report on incidences, non-performance events, and these sorts of things. And now that's the report we have before us. Before we get to those numbers, I'm curious because I, I, I don't sit on City Council. I don't know how this happens. How did Talis get picked um, to be the, the folks um, to run the signaling 
Well, that was before I was on council. Okay. So that, that was uh, a number of years ago. I believe it was somewhere that was awarded around the same time, about May 2011. Okay. And so um, the TALUS was awarded uh, uh, the signaling portion of the contract. And uh, um, so, and it breaks down. It gets really complex yes. about who's doing what, what's, who, and who's doing what to whom, <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. So at the end of the day, you have to ask about, you know, you can you can get buried in paperwork. Trust me, I've got six, seven inches of paperwork. And you have to ask the question, you know, are they performing? Is the line safe? Is it is it satisfactory? Is it satisfactory for in terms of not just public safety, but value for your taxes? So quickly, do you believe the line is uh, operating well? Uh, definitely not. Do you believe that the line is safe? That is the question I'm going to ask for tomorrow. I won't say yes, I won't say no uh, after reading this report. There, um, there's a number of incidents now that what we call wrong, um, they call, what do they call them? They call them like wrong. Uh, wrong, six wrong side failures that occurred during uh, the operation of the Metro line, which the public was exposed to some risk. And now administration has turned around, and these are primarily uh, have to do with gates not coming down, mm -hmm. signals being not flashing at the right time, flashing at the wrong time, that sort of stuff. That's where the six, but there's also another uh, 43 incidents of uh, systemic failures that have been going on for, for almost, oh, Good, good grief. I can't. I think we've got to go back three, four, five years. And the thing that, you know, so you called for this report and say, I want to see some numbers on what's what's going on here. You're going to be talking about it tomorrow. Yeah. And, they, and I'm not alone on this. No, There's other counselors. There's other counselors. Yeah, I'm not alone. No, you're not, but you've been pretty vocal about it. But one of the things when you're reading about this, and this, this as you mentioned, like 49 instances where signaling problems have cropped up, where signaling problems have cropped up, and they say it goes into fail-safe mode, um, and they say there are several pairs of eyes watching all the time, and they are confident um, in the safety. I, I, I'm not. Well, this it, is where, this is exactly the question that we have to ask as 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 taxpayers, <laughs> as people were watching out for people who ride that line. Now, when they say the safety system has worked, it's only worked because we've gone to a redundancy system, a second system. That means the operators are literally watching mm -hmm. for the other train on the line. Remember, we had that report of two trains yes. on the track heading towards each other, 53 meters apart, they stopped. The operators had stopped. And now administration, or sorry, Talis and the administration, I'm not sure exactly who, said, well, it would have stopped anyways. Well... Do we know that first? That's, yeah, isn't that's that the, the question. question at the end of the day? To me, it's not good enough. This fail-safe mode and having the other operators keeping an eye out for it, that's not good enough for me if I'm a regular rider of the Metro line. So here, you know, you got to read the fine details okay. of reports, right? <laughs> and that's something I That's I your do. job. That's my job. I, I, I did it with my contracts while I was in business and so on. It says, quote, there is significant antidotal evidence that abnormal behavior of the crossing warning systems is a regular occurrence <laughs> which has warranted putting temporary procedures and controls in place to mitigate associated risks. Well, that's okay. There, there's the line. Abnormal right behavior is a regular occurrence. That's right. In any other 
thing. If there was abnormal behavior, which was a regular occurrence, it would be dealt with immediately, would it not be? Well, and this is the challenge. The challenge is, is that uh, what I'm hearing through the grapevine is that they, they fix one little portion of it, and then another portion fails over there, and then they fix that portion, then another portion fails over here, and there's, it never seems to work all in tandem all at once. That's why we're at this B minus service or yeah. You know, it's moving, you know, you know, slower than you could probably walk in some instances. So. And dealing with Talos with this, going back to them and saying, okay, we're having constant issues. What are you doing about it? What is the response that the city gets? Well, Talos has submitted their safety case to do the, to the city of Edmonton, and they said the, uh, the line is safe to operate. Uh, that's my understanding. If I'm wrong, they can correct me mm-hmm. on that. But I certainly don't think the city has accepted that position uh, to date, simply because of these, <laughs> let's see, these... These ongoing, significant, abnormal mm-hmm. behavior uh, crossing warning systems is a regular, you know, it's, 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 she's broke. Yes. Let's just get right down to the bottom of it. She's broken. So, right? we, and now the echo effect is, is affecting the capital mm-hmm. line, right? And so when we ask the question, when is it going to be fixed, there's no date in sight. And we started this, they started missing their milestones back in 2013. How, how much was this contract worth? $668 million, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was what I took issue with back four years ago uh, with the former city manager who claimed to have no knowledge of the problems we were having with the Metro line. I said, well, you don't. Who should? And it's a $668 million. So now the question is, is that uh, really how much are we into this for? And uh, what is going to be... There's two extremes. Mm-hmm. I only see two, two ways out here, right? We take Talos for their word and that this thing is going to get fixed. When? Well, they haven't given me a date. Or we're going to have to take another route, which means is that uh, turning it off and trying to find out a permanent fix. What else have we got to do? Are we going to continue to let it operate in this fashion or this manner? This will be what council will get to decide. So, Talis, uh, obviously responsible for the signaling, all of that sort of stuff. They they keep coming back saying it's it's safe. Who at the city is responsible for this? Well, we have an LRT working group that is responsible for this. It falls under uh, our, our, uh, our chief construction guy, which would be Mr. Adam Laughlin, and and this is where I think where where we differ. Right. Administration who, you know, who's really responsible at the end of the day. Remember, the city has only two employees, the uh, city manager, who we hold accountable for the operations of the administration and the city auditor. That's it. And so when we direct the city to do something, we have to do it through the city manager. So the issue I, I, I take up is I say, you say it's safe, but you're using a redundancy system. You're doing a secondary system. That is not what it was designed for. And I get worried because, you know, I do a little math and I know a little bit about <laughs> statistics, is that in the long run, over thousands and thousands of trips and millions and millions of riders, right? The law of large numbers eventually catches up to you. This is my my concern. Uh, Maybe minute today, but over time, that's where my concern gets. And is council willing to take that chance? And that's what I'm going to ask tomorrow. I mean, it's like, how many many times do we have to have gate failures and signal failures and wiring failures and and these sorts of things uh, before before we we confront this? And this is, um, I know it's not comfortable for anybody. 
not for council, not for administration, for not Talis. But the fact of the matter is, it's, it's still got to get fixed at the end of the day. So tomorrow, this meeting is with who? It's with our consulting engineers, uh, rail safety uh, consultants, which we hire to watch the TALIS and to mm -hmm. make sure that what they were doing is correct and to watch the installation of the system and civic administration. Okay. What could be the consequences for TALIS tomorrow if a decision is made? Well, there's, there's, two, uh, there's two portions to this. There's an in-private portion and there's a public portion. What you're hearing about is what is in public mm -hmm. right now. The in-private portion is to go over some of the contractual matters that we have with TALIS. So, um, Get, I, I I can't give you an answer to that simply because it ha it could it, it's it's about the contract. Has Talis been pay paid in full? Uh, no, they have not. Would, could that be a possibility? Uh, I'm, <laughs> again, I'm not going to get roped okay. into saying it's going to be okay. this or it's going to be that because you know what I want to hear their full explain. Listen, the transit the Valley Line LRT document is literally two three thousand pages long. Mm -hmm. You know that's my specialty is yeah. kind of the Valley Line, and I, and I don't really think I'm really great at it either. It's just because there's so much of it. The Metro Line was is a line that 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 the councils has these two councils now have, have inherited. And now we got to figure a way to fix it. Is Talis responsible for the signaling on all the lines in the city? No. Okay. No. Just for the metro Just line? Just for the metro. Okay. Because, man, that one coming out of your ward... Yeah. I'm sure you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be. It, your, your foot would be uh, stomping down pretty quick. Th uh, the 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 good news story about the Valley Line. It's more of a tram system yeah. than it is a full blown what we call the Capital Line. That goes from Century Park to the University. So there, it moves with traffic. It's uh, it's met. There are no crossing arms. There are no signals. And we can talk about the reasonable, if that was a reasonable, smart decision to invest in another yeah, yeah. day. <laughs> but uh, today we're just we're just dealing with uh, the 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 metro line. The overreaching thing for the city of Edmonton to really think about is is this is this going to be the last LRT line we're going to build? Hmm. If it's going to be like this, maybe BRT has to be the answer. Why is it, and I've been asked this question over and over again on this show in the past year, two years, that it seems a number of our major projects in this city have been major screw-ups. Bridges, LRT, what's going on? Well, it's 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 the same old story. Some of it's uh, the city's responsibility. Some of it's the contractor's responsibility. If we take the Walterdale Bridge and we talk about the the question when it was about the steel, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? And it didn't come up. It didn't show up on time. Was that the city's fault? No. Uh, but if you look at Grote mm -hmm. and what happened to the Grote Road Bridge. That was the contractor's mm -hmm. fault because it's, it, it at least appeared to me and some others that the bracing wasn't done properly and that went amiss there. So, uh, and then we can go to other ones where where the city might bear some responsibilities with regards to uh, particular uh, cost overruns. Let's take the Millwoods double barrel, mm -hmm. right? Five years over budget, $45 million, uh, oh, uh, sorry, $45 million over budget, five years over schedule. That was a city program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ward 11 City Councillor Mike Nichols joining me in studio this afternoon. We'll take a quick break here when we come back. Want to talk about uh, the budget. Uh, that debate starts here December 6th, what, two days from now. Uh, we'll pick your brain about that one and, depending on how much time we have, the Coliseum, if you don't mind. Stick around.
edition of the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. Andrew away today. He'll be back next week. Uh, Ward 11 City Councilor Mike Nickel joining me in studio tomorrow at City Hall. Uh, a big meeting when it comes to the Metro line. We've been, we've been hearing about this uh, latest report that uh, 49 instances where signaling problems have cropped up, that it goes into a fail-safe mode. Mike Nickel has been pushing for, for some answers. And, and right now, Greg's on the phone, has a question for Councillor Nickel. Go ahead, Mike, or Greg. Hi, Jalen. Hi, hi, Mike. Um, I'd just like to thank Mike. I think he's one of the more sane uh, councillors on our on our in our city. Um, my question is, and it affects your ward, and that's the Valley Line. And I know you guys already did the the um, raise the train idea, but <clears throat> I still think that should be considered strongly because it's it's really going to affect that area. Uh, along White Avenue, and and uh, you know it's White Avenue on on the best of times is is not that great. I know the city had said that there's alternative ways to get around, but there is no. Um, you know we've got the River Valley, we've got the uh, train tracks, we've got the uh, uh, the ravine, so there's not really too many ways to get around. Well, I think I think what you've hit on is a question I asked three years ago. I asked about the uh, metrics or the performance of all those intersections up and down the valley line. And I waited for three and a half years, three and a half years for those metrics to show that th- that 82nd and 83rd was going to go into an F right out of the bat. And if we would have had some of that information beforehand, I think that up or under uh, conversation around Bonnie Doon might have taken a different context. We didn't have that information at that time. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of suspect why they sat on it for so long, but, but I think you're at this point now, you know, you look at the Metro line, uh, we've got two places where, where we need an over and under. We got to get this, you know. As far as I'm concerned, you know, I think we got to get this train off the road. And your point that that oh, you're right, we're, 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 these intersections are going to fail. The, the other thing I want to say is the basically the city council said it was going to be too expensive to to put the uh, uh, to go up, and but the shortly after that, the provincial government gave a reprieve on on the the loan that they took, which would pretty much cover the the cost of of raising the train yeah and and so you know you have to you have to deal with the information you have in front of you right and without the intersection metrics i couldn't build a business case to suggest that you know what actually i i kind of want an under at uh 82nd and 83rd but uh but here we go now down down the rabbit hole is is that uh, putting in a change order at this point, um, quote unquote, from the administration? <laughs> we'd rather uh, build it and then mitigate afterwards, which really made me quite angry at the time. Greg, thank you for the phone call. Appreciate it. And uh, we need to take a break here for the two thirty news. A couple questions coming in on the text line as well. Councillor Nickel, will you stick around for a few minutes more on the other side? As long as you call me, Mike. As long as I call. Okay, Mike, will you stick around? Yes. All right. Eileen Bell has your two thirty news up next. Engaging conversation with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station.
Ward 11 City Councilor Mike Nickel joining me in studio this afternoon. We've been talking about the Metro line for the past half an hour, a meeting tomorrow. Um, I, man, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that uh, behind closed doors to in see how that one. goes in the in private one. Yeah, someone says, you know, Mike, um, the city may say they are responsible, but who is going to be held responsible for this? That's a very good question because at the end of the day, uh, who has to be held responsible is your city council. Uh, we make your decisions on your behalf, so there's no dodging the bullet here. Uh, and through your city council, that's where you hold your contractors in your city mm-hmm. administration. So the buck stops with city council. Do you believe that there is a real possibility that um, this, um, this contract, this work with Talis could come to an end? Um, well, if, if if you believe on the one, uh, if you believe on the one extreme, they'll never give you the deliverables. Mm-hmm. Well, what are we going to do? Just keep going on and mm-hmm. on. The answer would have to be no. But if you do believe there are some something salvage, you know, we can salvage out of this sort of thing, then that's the other side of the discussion, and you have to keep an open mind about how much money we've plugged in right now, and is there a foreseeable out? With the information that you have in front of you, are you optimistic that there is something salvageable there? Uh, no. No, I'm not optimistic, So, but it's my job also to be skeptical, but not a cynic. Not a cynic. Well, and to listen to everything that, that's that, going that, to be that's right. a decision. And, but when it says right in the Capital Line report, there is no foreseeable deadline as to making the, that whole system work. Uh, you have to take a step back and ask the question, okay, if, if we, is there... If there is no foreseeable deadline, what's our next move? Like this text, Mike, it says, I think from now on the city needs to go with the mentality that we do it right the first time with construction projects. If it costs more in the long run, then try to fix it afterwards because it always costs more in the long run. We have been driven uh, into the city mentality of saving a buck at all costs, and now we're paying for it with large construction projects having to be fixed after the fact. That's from Gamer Brian. There's good and there's bad. Uh, you know, if you uh, there's a chart I've made the city of Edmonton produce about uh, it's a three it's a three it's six boxes, two boxes uh, one box on the bottom says on time not on time <laughs> quite literally, yeah. and then I say on budget and on the left hand column ten zero to ten over ten plus over, and then you can see very quickly that. Most of our projects, the vast majority of our projects are doing okay, but it's the red line ones that you're going to hear about. It's the nature of the news, but that's the ones we need to be focusing mm-hmm. on. And this one just has particular large scope and scale to it. The Walterdale, large scope and scale. Valley Line, large scope and scale. So, um, but uh, generally speaking, you know, when, when I'm digging a dry pond over here in Mill Woods, you know, it's not a... It's not a catastrophe. Uh, Rick's on the phone this afternoon, has a question about the Metro line as well. Go ahead, Rick. Mike, thanks for being on uh, the program today, and it's nice to hear some sensibility to what we've been subject to. I have born and raised in this city here. I'm a businessman. I uh, have a business with my two sons. And something that gets lost in all of this is if you're going to do something, do it right the first time. And they need to cut their losses on that uh, downtown mess that they've got going on. And for the life of me, if just think about this. And most of you haven't driven a truck or a tractor-trailer unit through the city of Edmonton. And or my sons own a business. And trying to get through the city 
business-wise as a, as a mobile company, it's an absolute nightmare. And when you talk about road rage, um, <laughs> I can tell you that the city has been uh, culpable to that, and, and they're part and parcel of that, because at every roadblock, now you've got bike lanes, now you've got trains, now you've got LRT stopping you. You can't get through this city. But at the end of the day, I think it costs the taxpayer so much. And and do we realize what it's costing us? This nightmare that they have downtown, I go through that intersection every day. And I'll tell you what, how many sets of lights is there? How much activity is going on? But here's another thing. You've got pedestrians who are walking through there and not paying attention to those signs. And why? Because it's such a mess. They don't know which way to go. You know, uh, uh, my family's owned and operated businesses here in the Edmonton region since 1960, and I know exactly how you feel. Uh, it's not the same city as it used to be now. Some would say we're a big city, but that doesn't mean that uh, common sense can't apply. There was just a recent article out of uh, out of the National Post talking about bike lanes, for example, and how the bike lanes, as they've implemented them, in some places have actually, actually increased pollution, incre- increased congestion, increased uh, driver wait times, and so on. And you know what? Uh, I've always argued, let's just take bike lanes for our... And I drive a truck. I don't drive a small little car. I drive a, a nice big uh, a big truck because I, I still have some businesses. And the fact of the matter is, is you're asking the question for value. Are we really getting the bang for the buck for all this, all this nice stuff, the, these tag-ons that people want to put in that uh, sound great? Well, my, but when you implement them, they don't, they don't pan out. Well, a question, too, like on uh, on the bike lanes, I'm all for being a world-class city and everything, but the truth is they have no laws to abide by. So I've got bikers that go up and down curbs, over and back. They don't stop at stop signs. Now you've got pedestrians not paying attention to the lights, and they run and they walk. Why? It's because it's cold out. Now your lanes are restricted because you've got a bike lane. You can't get through. My my son's business, uh, we've got a mobile business, and we, we use cube vans. Can you imagine being a tractor-trailer unit trying to back in in some location where there's congestion in this city? No, just, no way. I it, know exactly it, what it, you're talking about. I well, you know, and when, I look at that, when I look at that LRT, they would have been so far ahead of saying, you know what, we can't afford it, here's what we're going to do. Let's build half of it, and we're going above ground. Let the city continue on. But you know what? Now you've got the police enforcement. Now you've got um, 30 kilometer an hour everywhere you turn. Is this about revenue or is this about doing it right? I mean, come on. Uh, Listen, it's very disappointing from my perspective, born and raised. And I need you to know that my family's done business in here since the early 1900s. And... uh, construction and all kinds of stuff so we've been around a long time too mike and you know what i couldn't be more disappointed in the way this city's been put together um i couldn't be more disappointed and it's very very frustrating you've got taxi cabs you've got all kinds of businesses that operate it's not just the average driver out there people trying to get to work on time it's businesses that try to get through the city i've said enough but i applaud you mike and thanks for coming on the show And and I want to thank you for raising the issue is that one thing we're missing in this town is a business narrative. Uh, For too long now, we've just, you know what, 
people talk about urban sprawl and they worry about us growing out of the city. I worry about urban decay from our industrial commercial sectors as they jump their jurisdiction. And we're just about to talk about the budget mm-hmm. and, and uh, the never-ending tax increase that we've experienced over the last decade and a bit. And finally, we saw a chart. I asked for this chart from our chief financial operating officer. Comparing our tax increases over time, comparing them to the average weekly uh, earnings of a household. Mm -hmm. And it clearly shows that we've outstripped what people are earning by our tax increases. Mm. So people are falling behind, and we're not even talking about what the province is piling on us. We're not even talking about what the feds are piling on us. This is just the city. I'm curious, um, Mike, um, Rick's, Rick's talking about, you know, the bike lanes and this and that and how difficult, and he doesn't like the way that the city's going. But the fact is, is that the city is growing. It's getting bigger, and we're trying to appeal, I think, to younger folks as well and what they need. How do you balance those needs of a growing city, um, one that some said, if you want to continue to grow and attract new people, that you need things like bike lanes, um, that sort of thing. How do you balance that and and make it all work? Well, this is this is really the core of the issue. I, and I go back when I talk about metrics and targets and measuring what the government does. Uh, it's also called prioritize, organize, and execute, right? No city in the world, you show me a city in the world that tries to bring in five different modes of transportation at once. <laughs> it doesn't. If you want to do bikes, then just do bikes. If you want to focus on better transit, just focus on transit or bikes and transit but then you got goods movement and then you've got traffic i mean we got car we got five different modes here and we're all trying to try and fix it at once and what's happening is is they're all colliding into each other metaphysically (laughs) or or not metaphysically but metaphorically sorry they're all colliding into each other Uh, there's a metaphysical argument there (laughs) metaphorically and and we're not doing it well Let's face it, we're not. Mike Nickel in the studio. Um, hey, guess what? you got to stick around for another 15 minutes because we're not done yet. Can we take you to 3 o'clock? Sure. Abs- <laughs> I know you want to get home. You're not feeling well. I appreciate it. Because we do have calls about the Coliseum. Wanted to get to that quickly, the budget, right after this. Nickel joining me in studio. We're running out of time, but I know there's a lot of you who have a lot of questions. Um, this one, because I see Jed wants to ask you about this, uh, the demolition of Northland's Coliseum. I think last year, Northland said uh, estimated 8 to $10 million to uh, to blow the thing up. Now it's sitting at anywhere between 15 and $25 million. What happened there? Well, I think that's a very good question. So uh, what I think Mr. Laughlin did was use a 50-plus budget variance on his document, <laughs> uh, which tends to, which tends to raise a few red flags for me because you're telling me and I've been in construction all my life you can't go, go out and get a fixed price and then if there's a variance on any sort of like uh, pollution or anything mm-hmm. like that you can make that as a side note uh, but uh, he can certainly narrow that price down, whittle that down to much more, uh, more of a concrete number. I think that's, I, I just don't believe that number. Jed's on the phone. Hi Jed. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Good, sir. How about you? Um, question for you. Okay, if you look at the way Edmonton is built with Rexall, the horse track, and the exhibition grounds, all you got to do is go to Vancouver. 
They've got the same identical setup. The old arena, they've got a horse track, and they've got exhibition grounds. They can make it work. They're using that arena. They're using the horse track. They use the exhibition grounds for the P&E. Why, why can't we make it work? It's well, a, it's exact model. Yeah, because of a whole pile of uh, negotiated agreements with the, <laughs> with the uh, for Oilers Entertainment Group, with Northlands, the city of Edmonton, the province, and everything. And it's just like it's this sort of web of nebulous agreement piled on agreements. And the unfortunate part of it is is that, uh, that we... Well, we they didn't make it work. We couldn't make it work. I wanted to keep the lights on. A lot of people didn't. So, uh, what did you want to see happen with uh, the Coliseum? Well, I, actually, what I I know for a fact that we could have kept the lights on for two more years <laughs> uh, because there was events and so on. <laughs> but due to some foot yeah. dragging, um, we we had to close it because they lost the contracts for it. But real quick, Mike. You yep. got that. You got that airport too, eh? That thing's been sitting for three years. I got a friend that had a plastics company. They had to move out to St. Albert, and his place where he had his business is still bare. And they forced him to move ASAP. Yeah. And there's just a pile of dirt there. Is that what's going to happen to Rexall? It's going to be a pile of dirt for two, three, four years. Well, that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow about the the three options about yeah. repurposing. Uh, just boarding it up or, or re- bulldozing it down. And yeah. so those are the options really that we have for it. And so uh, I'll obviously be the guy pushing that, you know, we're the, we're, yeah. you know we got to look at t- kind of a repurposing strategy, but we'd, I'd like the province to come along. And well, all I can say is go, Mike, go. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the call, Jed. Um, this text came in, Mike. It says, Councillor Mike, thanks for taking time to come on the show. This is all very refreshing, but if we acknowledge that annual cost increases are far exceeding income increases, why is nothing being done about it? What is Joe Taxpayer missing? What aren't we understanding? Do councillors just not care? Are they out of touch? And why insist on bike lanes in our winter <laughs> tundra? Well, I, in my defense throughout my entire political career, I have been arguing for better value for your taxes. And I went back as far back as 2005. I raised the specter of when, when it was under former Mayor Mandel, says this is just not sustainable. And as, to, as you all know, I was tossed out of office in 2007. <laughs> and like I was saying earlier here, that's the third best thing that ever happened to me, <laughs> was getting out of office. And then I get pulled back in. I think um, on, this, on this last piece of the budget, there's uh, because of the way the economy is, is, there's not a lot of movement here mm-hmm. that we've got. There's not a lot of cash. Uh, so what we're moving into in 2018 is another new year, four-year capital, capital planning cycle and operating cycle. And it's going to have to be, you know what, uh, folks, we just can't afford it anymore. That's my position. It's broken. And uh, people have told me at the doors after, and I door knocked a lot of doors in Ward 11, or, and I talked to a lot of business guys. I'll give you one example. I talked to one warehouse owner where 60% of his bill for his operating his warehouse is taxes. Wow. So what is he going to do? He's going to pick up and leave. And you know what happens when he picks up and leaves and leaves that building empty or whatever? You pick it up on the residential side. Mm-hmm. So you can't do this in isolation, right? And so um, it's just, uh, let's just, we've got some new counselors, and hopefully this last round of uh, door knocking be, uh, that uh, city council has gone through, hopefully they got the message loud and clear. That uh, in April, the first kind of um, number that was uh, thrown out for a possible budget increase was 
was around 5%. We're looking now, they're saying 3.6%. But as you've just said, there's not a lot of wiggle room here, is there? No, And but the, the, there's some good news and there's some bad news. The good news is, is that a good portion of that, almost... Uh, one percent or one and a half percent i forget which it was is for neighborhood renewal and that's ending that is ending so the question we want to take some of that and put that into back alley renewal which awesome. is only 0.4 percent uh so we can get our back alleys fixed at least it's going at least it's going to stuff we can fix right? we're running out of time here and dennis has been holding patiently hi dennis what's your question uh, I'm just wondering why we can't uh, do things right in the city. I mean, like, they talk about the young kids. My daughter's 19 years old. She has two jobs. She drives a car, you know. She doesn't ride a bike. And what are they doing for, you know, to, to help the cars get around the city? They're putting, you know, they're slowing it down. They're putting more intersections. you got Anthony Hende that goes from four lanes to three lanes to two lanes. <laughs> I, I mean, why can't they do it right in the city? Like, well, how come they didn't go just four lanes all the way around Anthony? How come the LRT isn't on top or underground? I mean, you know, there's only a limited amount of land space, and they, they put the LRT, you know, it, it just drives me nuts. I mean, I've been living here all my life, and I, and, I, and I see all these things, and it's like, you know, LRTs have been around for 100 years. Dennis, and here we are building something that doesn't work. Thanks for the question. I'm going to just put you on hold so you can listen to uh, Councillor Nichols' answer because we're almost out of time. Yeah, the Hindi is a provincial road, uh, so the four to three to two. Deal with the province. <laughs> I, I, I wish I could do better. <laughs> but the fact is, is that when it comes to congestion and some of the the major arterials, I'll just we we all have them in the wards. But the question is, is that uh, uh, what are we really focusing on, right? And that's the question you want when this budget comes around. Watch your city council. Watch what they focus on, and watch what who's talking about the fundamentals and who are talking about the the nice things. The difference is, is I'm focused on what we need to have. Some people might want to focus on what's nice to have, and that's where I I've, we've got to say no. We'll be watching closely the result of the meeting tomorrow regarding the metro line as well. Ward 11 City Councilor Mike Nickel taking time today to join us in studio for double the amount as what we first had planned. Thank you so much for coming. Coming in and answering questions from Chedville. Anytime for you, boss. All righty, we'll take a quick break here. Back with more after this. The 6:30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross, weekdays at two on 6:30 Chad.